Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Today, I'm going to share just kind of a standalone message. We just finished up a series uh, of messages over the last five weeks dealing with the subject of relationships. And God just put it on my heart today to set aside this specific message. And, and honestly, in, in just in preparing for this, preparing my own heart and challenging my own heart as it relates to what God wants to do in me and through me. And I'm praying that what I'm asking God for in my own life, today you're going to be challenged and inspired to apply it to your own life. And I've entitled today's message like this, Who's Your One? We all have one person. We all know somebody in our sphere or circle of influence that perhaps does not have a relationship with God. Again, it could be a coworker, It could be a family member. It could be... You know, a, a, a next-door neighbor. It could be somebody that maybe you've known for a long time. It could be somebody that you've just recently met. But at the end of the day, we all know somebody who perhaps needs to know and understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So really the question is this, who is your one? Who's your one? Who's that person? What's their name? And do they, do they weigh heavily upon your heart? You know, when you think about it, we've all perhaps experienced something at some point or moment in our life where we lost something, right? Just curious, how many of you have ever lost something that was important or very valuable to you? Let me see your hand. We've all lost something, whether it was, you know, your, God forbid, your cell phone. I mean, the whole world stops when you lose your cell phone, right? I mean, come on, man, you can't sleep. That's pretty traumatic. You know, we've all experienced that loss of, of maybe something like a cell phone. Maybe for some of us, maybe you lost, you know, an animal. Maybe you lost your cat. You lost your dog. And, you know, it was just a traumatic experience. We all know what that feeling is like just in the pit of our stomach. Many of us, perhaps we've lost jewelry. <laughs> we've had some experiences in that. Uh, realm over the course of the years and you know it's it's one of those things that not only is it valuable in terms of a monetary aspect but even more so from a sentimental aspect based on maybe who it belonged to it was passed down or or something very important something very personal and special to our lives well I had that experience happen to me this week and to be very frank and, and, and transparent with you uh, I have been absolutely miserable, haven't slept much over the last couple of days uh, because I lost my wallet. It was a credit card wallet and we had a quick trip we made to Dallas, uh, came back actually yesterday. And you know, it's one of those things where you have no idea, you, have, you just literally in your mind, you're processing where did I go, who was I with, what possibly could have happened. 
And you know, you start backtracking. You start literally, you just, you, you kind of start with the, with the end in mind. You, you, go, you go from where you are, and, and then all of a sudden you just begin to backtrack to the very beginning point, And you just start, you know, unpacking every sequence, every step. And, I mean, I must have spent most of the day, uh, the other day, just calling restaurants, you know, calling airport security, calling Southwest Airlines, literally just going through every store, every, you know, place we could have been. We searched high and low in the house where we were staying, searched all the cars that either I was in or I was driving, you know, we, we just searched everywhere. And it's one of those things where not only you know, was it important, but there are some very important things that, you know, it's just the pain, it's the inconvenience. You got to start calling credit cards and start canceling and you got to start notifying and you got to go online, make sure that somebody is not just having, an, you know, you know, some early Christmas, you know, shopping spree where they're, you know, they're booking trips to, you know, to Hawaii and, you know, all these things using your credit card. And so it's one of those things where emotionally and mentally it's very taxing, it's draining. And I believe with all my heart, one of the things that perhaps you can relate, because that's probably has happened to many of you, you've lost your keys, you, you know, whatever, maybe you have misplaced, or perhaps you lost and you just never found it. It is a sickening feeling. And today, when I talk about who's your one, my question is this. Who is the one person in your life that keeps you up at night? Who's the one person in your life that perhaps is spiritually lost? They're outside the will of God. Then They're not where they could be. They're not where they should be. And my question is, and honestly this is applying to my own life here, does it make you upset that they're lost? Do you, do you actually lose sleep at night? Mentally, emotionally, are you worn down and worn out because of the concern and the, really the fear, the, the, the sense of loss that you are feeling, that, that sickening feeling that I described, that pit in your stomach, that, that hole in your heart where you're thinking, what in the world do I have to do to find that which was lost? Well, sadly and unfortunately... For most churches today, we're asleep. And sadly, and, most, and, and, and quite frankly, in, in most churches, not just here in America, but literally around the world, we have a world that's dying and going to hell, and most of us really could care less of the fact that people are lost spiritually and morally. We know it, we see it, we're around it, we hear about it. We watch it on TV, we watch it displayed on the big screen, I mean, we listen to the lyrics, I mean, we watch it every single day, our world is going to hell in a handbasket, so to speak, and yet at the same time, we just kind of live life in our own sense of convenience. And does it really bother us? Well, I want to share something with you today because there's an actual chapter in the Bible. It's found in Luke chapter 15, and it's referred to as the lost and found chapter in the Bible. Last night, I went to the airport. Again, I've just been backtracking, trying to figure out where in the world. The only thing I thought that potentially could have happened 
is when I went through TSA, when we left, because we had like a 6 a.m. flight uh, on Tuesday morning to fly to Dallas. And so we got to the airport extremely early. And uh, so I'm going through the security line. You know, you got to take off, you know, your belt. You got to take off your shoes. You got to pretty much take off all your clothes to go through security these days. And so I am putting everything in those little tray, you know, those little trays. They send through the conveyor belt. And, you know, I had a multiple things and had to pull out my, you know, all the electronics, your laptop, you know, all those things. And in my mind, I'm thinking perhaps that's, that, maybe that's what happened. Maybe, just maybe, it, it somehow, you know, fell out or went through the conveyor belt. Or maybe somebody grabbed, I have no idea. But last night, we went to the... Uh, to the lost and found. And just a little FYI, if you need to know where the lost and found is, at the Orlando International Airport, it is on level one. When you go out the elevator, look to your left, and you will see the lost and found sign right there. They close at 7.30, if you need to know that specific detail. So I was there at 7.25. Didn't know they closed at 7.30, but a very gracious, kind individual at the information desk said, you got five minutes to get down there. So I ran down there and lady checked out everything and unfortunately still no wallet. Nothing had been reported. And you know, you're processing all of these things. And in your mind you're thinking, it's lost, but is there a good Samaritan out there? Is there somebody who perhaps has been through that situation before, can maybe relate and can empathize, who might just say, hey, I'm going to call this person. I'm going I'm to look and see if it's an address. I'm just going to put it in the mail and send it to this person. That which was lost hopefully will be found by somebody, right? Well, the same is true in Luke chapter 15. What's interesting is that Jesus actually says these words in Luke 19 verse 10. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which lost. And what we need to understand is that Jesus came into the world. He was sent by God. God became one of us in the form of his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to come into this world, to live a sin sinless life, to live a life so that we could relate to him, so that God identify with us, we could identify with God by relating and connecting to his son, Jesus Christ who died for us and who came back to life for us. He is our risen Savior. But he came to seek and to save those of us who were once lost. And if you're here today and you were once lost, but you were found, you were saved, you were reconciled, you were connected to God, well, guess what? You know and I know, hey, there is nothing greater than knowing that we have been restored, we have been reunited, we have been reconnected with our Heavenly Father, our Creator. But there are so many people out there who long for that. But unfortunately, they don't know how to reconnect with God. And a lot of people are lost and they don't even know that they're lost. And so in Luke chapter 15, Jesus wanted his followers to understand the importance of reaching those who are lost, to seeking, to find, to save those who are spiritually lost, out of place. And in chapter 15, the word lost and the word found is used 10 different times throughout the 31 verses that make up three specific parables or illustrations that Jesus gave. 
And because of the length of the passage of Scripture, I'm not going to read it to you verbatim, but what I'm going to do today, I would encourage you to go back through and read Luke chapter 15. Just read all 31 at your earliest convenience. It'll stir your heart, trust me. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to paraphrase. I'm just going to share with you these stories found in Luke chapter 15. The first one is the story of the lost sheep. We even talked a little bit about uh, sheep last week as we talked about Psalm 23. But we all learned that sheep are not the smartest animals that God ever created. And most sheep, in fact, in fact all sheep, are totally dependent upon their shepherd. They, they need the guidance and they need the, the protection of a shepherd. So picture this. Here is a, Jesus is telling this story where there was a certain shepherd who had a hundred sheep. There was, there, was these, there was these sheep that were grazing the pasture. They were, they were out there doing what sheep do. And all of a sudden, as the as the evening, the sun begins to set, as evening begins to set in, the shepherd begins to corral the sheep. He, he places them, he's beginning to put them into a, a large holding area, if you will, to help protect and help guard them through the night. So he's going through the final count of his sheep. He's getting to that final count of 96, 97, 98, 99, and all of a sudden he realizes that one is missing. So what does he do? He actually takes those others that are safe and secure, already in the holding area, if you will, and he leaves those who are safe. And what does he do? He goes and he seeks, and he tries to search in order to find that one missing sheep. He finds the sheep, and after he finds the sheep, he takes it back, he perhaps places it around his shoulders, he carries it back, and he, he reunites it, he reconnects it with the other sheepfold. And the other shepherds are all excited. Why? Because the sheep that was lost was found and was brought back and restored, and there's a celebration happening. Why? Because the sheep matters to the shepherd. The sheep had value to the shepherd. Jesus went on to tell another story about a woman who had ten silver coins. She, she had these, you know, in her, from her estimation, she pretty much had her life savings. I mean, it was pretty much all she had to live her life upon. It was her value. It was her currency. It's, it's what she had. And unfortunately, she lost one of those coins. And so the scripture goes on to say she began to frantically search for the missing coin. And in those days, the, the, the houses were the full, pretty much made of dirt. And, and what would happen is they would put hay or they would put, you know, straw on top of the wood floor. But she was frantically, frantically searching everywhere, trying to find the one missing coin. And finally, finally, when she found it, what did he do? She rejoiced. Why? Because that which mattered to her, that which had value to her, that which was missing, she found it. And because she found it, she was excited. She was relieved because she found her lost coin. And then there's another story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 10. It's the story of the father who had two sons. The younger son decided that he wanted to go do his own thing. So he asked his father for basically half of his inheritance. And he said, you know what, Dad? Hey, I want to go and I want to experience the world. I want to take it all in. And I'm going to go live my life according to my plan. 
And sure enough, that he takes off and the Bible says he, he just went and lived this will-off life. You know, he went to the Vegas Jerusalem. I mean, he just went and partied it up. Man, he, he, just, he just had the time of his life to the point where pretty much lost all of his so-called new friends because he had money in his pocket. He was having a good time. Once the money ran out and the friends ran out and he was all alone, he found himself in the middle of a pig's pen. And he finally came to himself, the scripture says, and he began to realize that, hey, I had it better back at home. So he gets up, he begins to journey back to his home, and the Bible says that his father, who knew he was lost, knew he had been sowing his wild oats, had been praying and hoping and anticipating that his son would return. So his son came home, and as he saw the son from a distance, the Bible says the father took the initiative, ran to his son, embraced him, and he kissed him, and he, and he brought his son back home, and he said, let's have a feast, let's have a party. And as a result, those who were with the family celebrated. Why? Because the missing son, that son who was lost, had been found and had, put, had been put back into the right place where he had belonged. You see, there's something important about all three of these particular situations. They all started with tragedy, right? They're lost, missing. But then they're found, and when they're found, what happens? There is already taking place. And that is exactly what happens in heaven. The Bible says that there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner that repents, that puts their faith in Jesus more than nine others. Perhaps don't need a relationship with the Christ because they already have one. Guess what? What God is saying is, is that when his lost Sons and daughters are found and brought back into the right relationship with him. Hey, there is joy and there is celebration. In other words, there is a party happening in heaven. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. God wants us to be on the search and rescue team. He wants us to be intentional about seeking after those who are lost. Why? Because God wants to return home where they belong. And I know if you have some people in life... Those who are spiritually lost, not where they could be, not where they should be. And here's something you need to understand today. What does it mean to be spiritually lost? Here's what it means. It means to be separated. It means to be disconnected from God. So what does it mean when the Bible says lost? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to me when we are lost? There are some things that we lose when we are lost spiritually. In ours, we're going to look at some things. Number one, just like a lost sheep, we lose direction in our lives. You know, as I stated a few months ago, you know, sheep, unfortunately, they just wander and they lack a sense of direction. So what happens is, is you you have a sheep who basically do what sheep do, right? They they eat grass, and so the shepherd has to get them to green pastures and green meadows where they have plenty of grass to eat. What a what a sheep will do is it will begin to to nibble some some green grass, and then it will begin to wander a little bit, nibbles on some more green grass, and then it begins to wander a little bit. For long, that sheep will eventually begin to drift. It begins to wander off and will disconnect itself from the rest of the sheepfold if the shepherd is not paying attention. And that's exactly what happens to those of us. You know, all of us, just like sheep in many ways, 
We lose our sense of direction spiritually, morally, when we do not have a relationship with God. In other words, we're on our own. And I think we would all agree to the fact that we're living in a world and a culture today where we just see a whole world and a whole, and a whole culture that is drifting further and further and further away from God. They're drifting away, God, away from God's plan and God's purpose. In fact, in Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says it this way. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away and we have left God's paths to follow our own. Listen, every time we leave God's paths and God's plan to follow our own path and our own plan, we are always going to wander further and further away from what God's intended plan and purpose is. For our lives. And when we are wondering and we're wondering aimlessly and hopelessly, lacking direction in our lives, I'm telling you, it is a confusing, it is a perplexing, it is a miserable place to be, to be lost and to not even know or understand how bad you truly lost. But you know, not only do we lose our sense of direction, we also lose our sense of protection. Another thing about sheep, or sheep are very vulnerable animals. As we talked about last week, they have a difficult time of def- defending themselves. They're vulnerable to, you know, predators that will come and attack the sheep. The same is true in our lives spiritually. You know, a lot of people don't realize it, but a real adversary, a spiritual enemy, the Bible says, Jesus said in John 10, I've come to, Jesus, Jesus said that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And we got to understand that the enemy, our spiritual adversary, is the ultimate predator who wants to wreck our lives. He wants to steal your hopes and your dreams. He wants to rob you of every good thing that God wants to give you. And he wants to do everything he can to destroy your life, destroy your marriage, destroy your family, destroy your future. He wants to literally wipe you out. And when we are not living under God's umbrella of protection... In other words, when we step out of his will and we follow our path and we go our way, guess what? We are vulnerable. Why? Because we are not where we could be or should, should be. We're not under the protection of God in our lives. Zechariah 10 verse 2 says it this way. My people wandering like lost sheep without a shepherd to protect and hide them. And what's sad, what many people don't realize, and I'm sure we've all experienced this, then when we're outside the will of God, in other words, when we are living our lives with a, with a lack of direction spiritually, and when we are living our lives in a vulnerable place where we are outside of God's protection, guess what? Man, we're experiencing a lot of stress, right? Man, what are the symptoms of being outside the will of God, outside of God's umbrella of protection is worry and fear and anxiety and depression? Man... All you have to do is just look around what's going on in our culture today. Man, you look at depression and anxiety, I'm telling you, it is through the roof. Man, literally billions of dollars on, you know, mental health are being spent right now. Why? Out of COVID, man, it's not only impacted adults, it is wreaking havoc on our youth culture. And kids today, mentally and emotionally, they're lacking direction. They're lacking an understanding of what it means to cope with the stresses of life. You know why? Because they are outside of God's will. They do not have God's protection on them. They're lost. And they're wandering aimlessly and hopelessly. So what do we lose? We lose our direction. We lose our sense of direction. 
But just like the lost coin, we also lose our potential. You know, when you think about coin, a coin has value. And not only does it have value, a coin has a lot of potential, right? In other words, there's a lot of good that, come, that can come from the value of that coin. And so for this woman, it's all she had. I mean, it could buy her clothing, it could buy her food. When you think about money, monetary things that have value, what it, can, what it can do all kinds of good things, right? But here's the issue. The issue is, is that when God created us, he created us with infinite worth and value. But the problem is, is that when we do not have a relationship with God, then guess what? We are worth everything in the eyes of God, but in our earthly life, even though we are worth tremendous value and infinite value in the eyes of God, our lives are being wasted. Why? Because we're not reaching our full redemptive potential. Why? Because we're living it on our own. We're doing it according to what looks best for us. We do what is right in our own eyes, and as a result, we never reach our full potential of what could be and should be because God has an amazing plan and possibility for our lives. Let me share something with you. This is a powerful, powerful verse of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. No one has ever seen or heard or even imagined the wonderful things that God has prepared and arranged for those who love Him. You know, it, it's kind of like this. Before I came to church today, I drank protein shake. It's become my new little routine. I got my little protein shake, got my little two scoops of protein powder put in, put a little banana, put a little uh, berries in there, banana. I like to slip a little, little peanut butter in there and uh, put it almond milk. And, uh, you know, just try to do the healthy thing. So I put in the blender. I turn on the blender. And man, it just does this magic. And it's amazing. It's incredible. But you know that blender called a bullet? Man, it's like high tech. All you got to do is push the button. I mean, it has a little countdown. I mean, it does everything for you. No matter how great and awesome that little bullet blender is, and it doesn't even matter how awesome a content I put inside it, you know what? That blender is totally useless if I don't plug it in and connect it to the power source. And yet that's exactly the way most people are living their lives. They're living their lives on their own. And yet they're gifted, they have skill sets, and they can do a lot of great things. But they never reach their God-given, created potential. Why? Because they've never been connected to the ultimate power source. And that is a relationship with God. And as a result. They never ever measure up. They don't quite reach their potential. But kind of like the lost son. You know, we've talked about what it means to be lost as it relates to comparing a you know, lost sheep and a lost coin. But what about the lost son? Well, another thing that we lose when a person is lost is we lose our happiness. You know, what's interesting is in Luke chapter 15, verse 14, it says it this way. In the parable of the story between the father and his son. It says the younger son wasted all he had been given and eventually he became miserable and lonely. There is absolutely nothing that is more miserable in your life than when you are at odds or you're in conflict with somebody else. I'm telling you, when you are upside down in a relationship, 
especially if it's in your marriage or maybe between you and a family member or maybe a co-worker or maybe a classmate or listen anytime you're in conflict with someone else chances are you're going to be worked up you're going to be mentally and emotionally depleted listen you're going to feel uncomfortable even being around those people you're going to be challenged perhaps even sleep at night you know why because you're under an enormous amount of stress you're under so much stress the reason why you're under so much stress is because you are in conflict someone else that you want to reconcile with and a lot of people are in conflict with God don't even know it a lot of people are in conflict with God and they do know it in other words they have willfully turned their back on God and you know what they've gone and they've sown their wild oats I mean they've gone and lived life the way they wanted to live it and you had a good time for a season but that season came to an end and then they became miserable and yet because of the misery, the feeling, they're feeling disconnected, alone, isolated. And they want to reconnect with God, but because of the fear of being maybe judged or criticized or maybe rejected by God, people just feel alone and disconnected and isolated and they continue to live in bondage. And that is exactly what God did not intend to happen. And yet a lot of people, just like the sun, they find themselves miserable and lonely. Why? Because they chose to follow God's plan. Excuse me, their plan rather than God's plan. But another thing as we move further down the path here is that when a person is lost, they lose their home in heaven. You say, what do you mean they lose their home in heaven? Let me explain something to you. When God created you and me, when he created Adam and Eve, he created a perfect world, a perfect environment. God set them up for success. I mean, he did up and just literally laid it all out. I mean, for them to reach their full potential, created everything just for them. God created them, just like when he created you and me, he created them with a free will. In other words, God created them with the freedom to make their own choices in life. God didn't want them just to be robots. God didn't want them to live their life, you know, in such a way to where it was just all, you know, no fun and games. He wanted them to enjoy, but he gave them the freedom to choose. But sadly and unfortunately, Adam disobeyed. Adam chose his plan and his path over God's plan and God's path. And as a result, they had to face the consequences. Same is true in our lives today. That same sin nature, that same spirit of rebellion, that same sin of Adam is in our nature. Every one of us, the Bible says there's none righteous, not even one. It says for all have sinned. You say, well, I just don't believe that. I'll ask you a question. How many of you have ever done something that didn't belong to you? Let me see your hand. We've all done that. I have. We've all taken something that didn't belong to us. If you don't have your hands right, it means you're, means you're lying. How many of you ever told a white lie? Come on, somebody. You, you kind of fudge the truth, you know what I'm saying? See, I'm, I'm speaking to a bunch of, I've got a room full of thieves and liars in here. You know, we've all sinned. We all have that, we all have that sin nature in our lives. And what we need to understand is this. In Luke 9, verse 25, Jesus said, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world? What good does it do for you to be on the front cover of Forbes magazine? And the Bible says, Jesus said, and lose and forfeit your own, your own soul. I mean, why in the world would we choose to live a life 
that may at best last 80, 90 years. I was around my wife's grandmother. She's 92 years old. Unbelievable. She's lived longer than most people will ever have the opportunity to live. But at the end of the day, what could it do to live your life for maybe 75 or 85 or even 95 years in this life? And then that's done. It's over when you pass from this life. You're not going to be able to take all your possessions and your valuables and your house and your jewelry and your cars. Listen, there is, you will never find a U-Haul behind a person that is going to the cemetery. It doesn't happen. So the best use of this life is not just for the here and now, but to spend the life so that we are preparing for eternity that's going to last forever in our eternal home. And that, hopefully, when we know Jesus, is that home called heaven. And there are a lot of friends, there are co-workers, and there are a lot of family members, sadly and unfortunately, who are going to miss out on heaven by 18 inches. You say, what? A lot of people are going to miss out on heaven because of the distance between their heart and their head. You see, a lot of people who know about God, they know about him in their head, but they've never encountered in their heart. They don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the lost and found chapter in the Bible is helping us understand, hey, just like a sheep and just like a coin and just like a lost son, hey, we are valuable. We matter. But God is not going to rest until somebody, you and me, will go out and we find that lost sheep. And we discover that lost coin. And we reunite with that lost son. Let me just wrap this up today by sharing with you something I think is vitally, vitally important. When you think about every lost person on planet earth, the reason why people are lost, separated from God... Is because our wandering nature separates us from God. It's because our circumstances in life separate us from God. You say, what do you mean? I can't tell you how many people who have turned their back on God. They have basically put a clenched fist towards the face of God and saying, God, I'm not going to serve you. I'm not going to worship you. I'm not going to commit my life to you because of all the things that have happened. If you really love me, then why would you allow all these negative things to happen in my life? Once again, we wonder because of our sin nature. And a lot of people, due to circumstances, they allow the circumstances, listen, to allow them to grow bitter instead of growing better and benefiting from those choices in life, which leads to the choices. A lot of people have sown their wild oats. They've made some bad decisions. They, they've lived with some regrets. But listen, God is still there, and he's waiting. So for anybody in this room or anybody you know who feels like you're a million miles from God, well, guess what? You are. But my question is, is who moved, you or God? We are the ones who we're the ones who wonder. We're the ones who allow circumstances and choices to cause us to move further and further and further away from God. So what does it mean to be saved? Let me share with you what it means. Because this ought to be the compelling, motivating factor for us between now and Easter. Let me tell you what it means. Listen, Jesus came to rescue us. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that Jesus came to rescue 
us. You guys, that's the whole purpose of Easter. That's the reason why a week from next Sunday we're going to be gathered in this place and we're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Listen, Easter is the proof of God's love. Listen, Jesus didn't come into the world to attempt to make bad people good. No, he came into the world to make dead people alive. And so therefore, because he's alive, he wants us to understand that he came to seek and to save those whom he loved. He wants to rescue those of us who are lost. In 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, it says it this way. Jesus is the only one who can bring us to God. He became human and gave himself to rescue all of us. Isn't that awesome to know? That God wants to rescue people who are lost. Why? Because they matter to him. They have value to him. But Jesus not only came to rescue us, but he came to recover us. So just like the lost sheep that was wondering, what did the shepherd do? The shepherd went to rescue him. Just like the woman who lost the coin, what did she do? She searched and she searched and she searched until she finally found it. And she was able to store that which was lost. She was able to recover that which was missing. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and worn out for carrying too much. He said, Learn to trust and rest in me, and you will recover your life. Hey, listen, we need to understand that Jesus came to recover us. And some of us will recover a bad reputation. We need to allow Jesus to recover us from fear and worry and anxiety and depression or whatever it is. We need Jesus to recover and to restore our lives. He came to rescue. He came to recover and he came to reenact. You know, the father, he saw his son from a distance. What did he do? He went and he ran after his son. You know what? He could have laid into his son. Man, he could have reinforced all the bad choices and negative decisions he had made. But instead, he wasn't focused on all that. What he was focused on was son that he deeply loved. Who was lost and now he had been found. I believe every one of us in this room, if you have never put your faith in Christ, but you find yourself perhaps that one who is not where you could be or should be, you need to understand that Jesus today wants to rescue you. Hey, he wants to recover you. And he wants to reconnect you. That word reconnect, listen, the Bible is a word for reconciliation. That means it's like two people that are at odds with one another and they reconcile. It's like a husband and a wife. They're on the fringe divorce. And yet, what does God do? God reconciles. There's forgiveness, healing. And there's reconciliation. It'd be like... Russia and Ukraine. Here are, two, here are two opposing countries and you have all fighting. It'd be like those two countries coming together and say, hey, let's put all this behind us. And let's restore, let's reconnect and let's allow peace to rule between us. That's what Jesus did. When he stretched out his arms on that cross. And he allowed those nails to be driven through his hands and through his feet. Jesus came the bridge for sinful people like us so they could cross over from where they are in their state of sin and they could cross over and be reconnected to their creator, their heavenly father because of what Jesus did on the cross. 
And the fact that he not only died, but he was placed into the tomb. And three days later, he came back to life. That which was lost can be found. But God wants you and me to be in the rescue business. God wants you and me to join the search team, the search party. To go out and to find those who are spiritually lost and restore them. Recover them and reconnect them. So my question is, who's your one? Who's your one? Who's that one that you know in your circle of influence? Who's your one that's missing? That needs to be found and needs to be brought back home. That's our tack. That's our assignment between now and Easter. And let's pray and ask God to use us as we join his rescue team to go out into the highways and hedges as Luke 19 41 says go out into the highways and into the hedges and compel people to come in why so that God's house may be filled I'm telling you when we have people in the audience on Easter Sunday at both of our services I'm telling you there are going to be people that day that will be coming who are the answers prayers that many of us have been praying listen for years and years listen I believe miracles are going to happen and prayer to be answered and listen there's going to be a party in heaven because those who were lost are going to be found in Jesus name amen let's join God's rescue search team let's bow our heads together in prayer father we thank you for the simplicity of your word and Lord the challenge of your word for us to be a part of your plan a part of your grand purpose and design Lord we were rescued so that we can rescue others and God I pray that today if there are those here today or maybe watching online who may not have a relationship with you Lord I pray that today would be their day they would put their faith and their hope in the person of Jesus if they have found themselves and if you're here today maybe you have found yourself wondering you've drifted maybe you just feel completely disconnected alone isolated you have felt vulnerable for years you have been attacked from every angle the world is had grip on you and you've grown weary and tired, frustrated and confused, and empty. And maybe today, all of those emotions, all of those experiences are God's way of saying it's time to stop trying and it's time to start trusting. And if you're, you don't have a relationship with Christ, maybe watching online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, can I invite you right where you are, in the privacy of your own heart, just something like this. Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I turn to my sin today. Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross and you rose again. And by faith, I invite you into my life to forgive me and to save me. Thank you, Jesus for saving my soul. As our heads about to close, and the ones looking, if you prayed that prayer, would you let me know by holding up your hand high toward heaven?
Just hold it up, hold it high toward heaven. Say, yes, help me. I just pray that prayer. Just, I just came today. I just reconnected with God today. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Any others? Any others? Thank you. Thank you. Many of us in this room, we have that person, that name that's on our heart. And again, it could be a family member. It could be a co-worker. It could be a new acquaintance, somebody you've just recently met. Or it could be an old friend that you've known for a long, long time. You've been praying for them. You've been burdened for them. I'm curious, how many of you today would be willing to say, Rodney, I know of somebody. There's someone in my life that I know, and to the best of my ability, without by any means judging or any pretense, but to the best of my understanding, I do not believe they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you today, would you be willing just to hold up your hand high? Just saying, there's somebody in my life, to the best of my knowledge, I do not believe they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Bless you, it's a lot of here today. Maybe if you didn't raise your hand, maybe today you just need to say, God, would you place that name on my heart? God, would you open up my eyes to see as Jesus saw? God, help me to feel what Jesus felt as he was moved with compassion over those lost. And just ask God to open doors of opportunity for you. Father, I know that there are many people who are lost or outside of your will who are not fulfilling potential Lord many are disconnected and they're miserable and Lord I pray that today that God you'd use all of us between now and Easter to make a phone call to send a text to go out of our way to be intentional to invite somebody that we know Lord, to come into this house, to come into this place, so they can hear the hope found in Jesus. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, for the names of people that we're about to write on cards and people that we're going to pray over. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you, Father, would work in us and through us. And God, that you would soften the hearts. God, that we would be intentional with conversations. And that you'll use us as your tools to reach this are far from you and who matter to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, somebody, let's give God a little shout of praise in this place. And celebrate with those who made life's greatest decision today as well. And if you prayed that prayer a few moments ago with me and you invited Christ to your life and you raised your hand acknowledging that you did so, would you do me a huge favor? I want to invite you to take your Connect card, which is just like this, and you'll notice there's a little blue line, and there's a place there that says, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And if you raised your hand today, acknowledge you prayed that prayer and invited Christ into your life, would you let us know by filling out that information and putting a check in that space? And uh, we have a, a little booklet we want to put into your hands. Before you leave, you can go out into the lobby, and there's a place that's called Next Steps. And we have a Bible. We have a little booklet we'd love to put into your hand. And uh, just really helps point you in the right direction. So you can start growing and developing in your spiritual life and answer spiritual questions you have. And just kind of walk you through some of those steps in your life. And so we would encourage you to go out to the lobby to our Next Steps uh, table there. And then also, I want to encourage those of you. Um, here today, 
who may have raised your hand saying, hey, I know of somebody that may, doesn't have a relationship with God. I want to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask that in just a few moments as the offering contained tie, I want you to take, if you, if you can, if you haven't already filled up your card there with notes, but maybe just take that blank section there. You can tear it off, that perforation, and just put the first name. Don't their full name. Just put their first name. If it's John or Mike or Sue or, you know, whoever. Just put their name. And what I encourage you to do is tear that off and drop it in the offering container. And here's the reason why I'm asking you to do that. Because we're going to commit as a staff, and our prayer team is going to commit to standing with you in prayer. Matthew 18, 19 says that if two of you agree on earth touching anything that they shall ask, it will be done for them of Father who is in heaven. So let me just encourage you. Let's stand together. Let's agree together. And let's, let's be united together in prayer and ask God to put his super on our natural. Amen? Let's ask God to do what only he can do. And let's believe in the power of prayer. God will do amazing things if we'll get to pray for those. So I want to give you a moment to fill that out. And uh, you can drop that in the off container in just a few moments. And then also next Sunday is, uh, as I stated, Palm Sunday. We're going to be partic uh, par uh, participating and it's a reunion. It's going to be a powerful time of worship as we once again uh, get ready for what many refer to as Holy Week. It is just that, that Passion Week. It's an incredible moment of the days leading up to not only by suffering his, his death there on Good Friday, and we all know the reason why it's good. It wasn't good for Jesus, but it was good for us. Amen. He paid the ultimate price for our sin. And of course, on Resurrection Day, on Easter Sunday, we're going to have the opportunity to uh, celebrate. And uh, it's going to be a special, special day. So let's be in prayer. Let's prepare our hearts. And let's believe God to do something great in and through that special day. Amen. Will you guys stand with me on that? I believe it's going to be an awesome, awesome time. Hey, we're going to uh, continue to worship through giving. And uh, on your way out, let me encourage you. There's some invite cards that looks just like this. And uh, be intentional. Uh, listen, giving, passing these out to some friends at work. Uh, maybe some neighbors, some people you know. There's a little QR code on the back. Uh, people can just scan that, take them right to our website. They can plan a personalized visit on Easter Sunday. So a lot of cool things that we're going to be doing on Easter Sunday. So please take advantage of those and get the word out as we invite people for our two Easter services. Well, let's pray over today. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to be able to give. Lord, I pray that today as we give faithfully and we give sacrificially. Lord, whether it's through a text that we give today or whether it's through using the white envelope Lord or, or whether we've already given online Lord at the end of the day it's not so much how we give but Lord we pray that today that our giving would truly be an act of gratitude it would be of worship Lord it would be a step of obedience in our lives Lord as we give faithfully and we give generously today as we honor you with your tithe as we honor you and your offers. And Lord, we just pray that, Lord, today, as we give, that, Lord, that we would help advance your kingdom. Lord, we would strengthen your church. And, Lord, that everything we do, God, would be used to advance the purposes you have for us as a church. Lord, we're grateful for the opportunity we have, Lord, to celebrate what we are believing to be our future home. And so, Lord, as we give, as we sow into that, Lord, we just pray that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. 
To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.